Sydney is one of the most desirable cities to live in the world. The weather, the lifestyle, the cosmopolitan bustle. However, what hope do younger people have of buying their piece of paradise when median house prices remain above $1 million? Admittedly Australian dollars, but $1 million. We'll meet a young entrepreneur health professional tackling this problem from a unique angle. This is Vlog. Vlog stands for Fulfilling Lives Over Greed. Or it stands for Fucking Loose Original Gangster. Or it's a word that isn't actually an acronym and I've just sounded like a foolish loser opining grandiosely. Which also spells Vlog. To Vlog is to sell, and to sell is to solve problems. We don't want lowercaseism, we want capitalism. So get ready to flog or be flogged, because confidence is an art. Hello and welcome to Flog, where we look at organizations and creators doing interesting things in the world. I'm Seetal Singil, and I'm your host and top flog. I live in Sydney, well, Greater Sydney, right at the edge in Penrith. To afford a place in Sydney to rent can suck up more than a weekly wage, and buying a home even as a younger power couple with historically low interest rates can still be a daunting prospect, avocado toast or not. One thing we can count on is for young entrepreneurial minds to see a problem and find a unique way to fix it. My guest today is Kieran Mead, who has a company called Sinheritance. He's going to tell us all about it. Welcome, Kieran. Thanks, Seetal. Just uh, want to clarify a point. Inheritance is a foundation based on a medical principle. And I say that because I guess we're not a company like Google or Atlassian or AMP. Our, our grounding is in a, a not-for-profit structure. Hmm. Structural clarity up front. We love that on Flog. Now, Kieran, this story of being young, in love earning a respectable wage, and working towards the Sydney dream of your own place in this fine city. It's a story you know well, isn't it? Well, well, yes, I, I do, Seetal. Uh, so my wife Emma and I have, have lived in Sydney all our lives. I grew up in the Hills District and, and she in the inner, inner southwest. And I'm, I'm an accountant by training and she's a school teacher. We, for some time, lived in the inner west and we rented a terrace house for uh, a grand a week, what, $1,000 per week. How long were you there for? We, we moved in there eight years ago. It was the first time we had moved in together, despite having been married 11 years ago. When, when we were first married, we had to stay with them as parents, as, as to be close to work. Um, we couldn't really afford to rent or buy any of the places that were practical. Neither of us wanted a one or two hour commute to work. Uh, either way, that, that would have really taken too much out of, out of our lives. Understandable. We really wanted to buy a house except the median house price in Sydney at that time was just under a million dollars. Now, of course, it's, it's a little over that. About 1.1 million is the zone most house prices sit at, and and that's townhouses towards our area in the inner west. E Emma and I have always dreamed of owning our own home. Emma loves gardening, and my parents in the 80s, when I grew up, uh, made sure we, we had a yard to play in, be active and sporty, and of, of course we had a, a family dog. Oh, lovely. What kind of dog? 
Well, Emma had a, a border collie, and and I had a Kelpie German Shepherd cross. Oh right, breeds. Sorry, I was more asking uh, whether it was a happy dog or a more grumpy and bitey dog. But it isn't important, I suppose. Please keep going. So, so we wanted a house as a home, like our parents had had. We combined our wages. I, I working at a mid-sized firm. Emma at a secondary school, but even when we scrimped and saved, we, we just couldn't do it. Now, I have to ask this. You weren't squandering money on avocado toast, were you? No, no avocado toast. Uh, sometimes we, we didn't eat at all. Oh, that's bleak. I mean, we ate. I, I would, um, I, I don't know if this is appropriate to say on here. Please do share. I want you to think of this podcast as your safe space. Sometimes... And I should clarify, not not as safe as in something you would find in a hotel or something you would store valuables in or a dismembered body parts. A safe space, which could be a safe. And never mind, keep going. Sometimes we, we, we would eat dead skin off each other's bodies. Uh, look, it's a bit weird and bleak when, when I chew my own dead skin from around my nails or, or my feet. But when I eat Emma's dead skin, uh, you know, it feels like a little romantic meal. Right. Hmm. Well, I can see why you didn't want to share that story. Well, what I will say is don't feel any shame. We have had entrepreneurs on here who basically had to provide oral sex to every single financier or mentor they encountered as part of their entrepreneurial journey. The three Fs. Fools, family, friends. But the fourth F, fucking. Wow, that's, um, that's intense. Completely changes the idea of seed funding, let me tell you. Yeah, um... Wow. And you weren't there alone as a couple living this very austere, metropolitan, aspirational life, were you? No, we used to talk about this to our friends Heidi and Kamal. Like like us, Heidi and Kamal have always lived in Sydney, and, and like us, they, they thought they would have a chance to enter the Sydney housing market. And, and they couldn't, despite... I mean, Kamal's a doctor and, and, and Heidi's a physiotherapist. Like, like us, they, they have parents that came here and bought houses in the 70s and set up businesses and worked their butts off. And now sit in family homes worth many millions of dollars. Like us, they love their parents. I mean, like us, they have parents to be really proud of. Successful and and, and, and fit and healthy and, and compassionate. You know, really, really supportive parents. Fantastic. Your father was a surgeon, yes? And, and my mother, a homemaker at first, but she, she became a very successful dress designer as we got older. Marvellous. What a great couple. I loved them dearly, and, and they loved me, and they loved Emma, and that's really important to me. I'm getting... Let, let's get back to Heidi and Kamal, because the, uh, the only hope... I mean, they were like us. The only hope they had of owning a house, honestly, was for their parents... And I hate to say this, but for their parents to, to die and pass away and endow them the most beautiful houses they had in, in, in Mossman and in Bondi. So you and Emma and Heidi and Kamal sitting around a dinner table, having had a meagre meal, potentially of each other's dead skin. I mean, 
Um, we could afford wine, so there would have been wine at these dinners. Wine hopefully matched to the dead skin, but not necessarily. You dreamers, you astute planners, I mean, anyone in their 20s finding a life partner and marrying them, that constitutes an astute planner. That is a admiration in my book. You search all through the possibilities for the future, for owning your own place, and you felt hopeless. It felt asymptotic, you know what an asymptote is? In, in maths, it's it's a it's this line, like this dotted line. It's a value that you approach and you get closer and closer to, but you never really reach because just when we think we've found the place we want and got the right down payment and secured reliable finance, another couple. Someone older and wealthier than us sweeps in and gets the place with a, with a higher price, generally at auction. That must be frustrating. It was. Every time it happened, it was devastating. And often the people buying those homes were, were older couples, baby boomers who were, you know, getting a third or fourth property to, to fix up and what do they call it flip them or rent them out and they were so much older and these 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 people who bought these houses and established and they they bought in before the meteoric rise in house prices that must be frustrating i hear that familiar refrain it's generational resentment isn't it nothing to be ashamed of but let's call it what it is I mean, generational resentment isn't anything new. My, my parents weren't bashful when it came to telling Emma and myself what we should do to actually afford that house just like they did. I don't think they really thought too hard about how their words affected us. Those words hurt you, didn't they? No, they, they did more than, than that than to just hurt us. They kind of, um... Well, I know some from some of your listeners will relate. They kind of made us want them to just to just die and get out of the way and let's live our lives in the houses they're living in. You know, the house is a safe space. It's it's a it's a place to build something, and you know they they weren't letting us do that. The old Greek historical paradigm: the death of the parents is the ascension of the child to adult. I think that was the Greeks. There certainly um, lots of becoming an adult, largely through sodomy. Probably not relevant. I mean, wanting my parents to die so Emma and I could live the kind of life they did was that was a horrible thing. The thought of killing our parents. I mean, it's unconscionable. But let's be honest; it, it goes through all our minds at some point. You don't have to have been abused for the thought of offering your mum and dad to legitimately enter your mind. Although I hear that helps. I mean, I'm sure it does, but I realise I could never actually kill my parents. Um, you know, I just, I just don't, I don't have it in me. I, I, I love them too much. Understandable. Also criminal offence, but I appreciate the love bond is a more cogent driver than fear of justice. Yeah, I mean, this train of thought, though, it made us realise Emma and I didn't love Kamal and... I mean, we just got a lot of love in us, but we just didn't love, we didn't love Kamal and Heidi's parents. And there are two sets of arrogant, obnoxious, Sydney upper middle class wasps. That's, that's what their parents were. I mean, I can't think of better examples of 
arrogant, obnoxious, waspy Sydney ciders. And exactly the kind of people you'd like to see die so they don't stunt the growth of their, chil- their children, even if it wasn't, you know, like our, our best friends. So it didn't matter who the children were. I don't want to see them stunt the growth. I think I know the type. Hypercritical. Status obsessed. Well, Heidi's parents are a little racist towards Kamal, and Kamal's parents are a little of Heidi's intelligence and deportment. It's not very fair. Real pieces of work. Yeah, real pieces of work, actually. Well, we can... I mean... This has been bothering us for a while, and we, we hadn't made this decision that we, we were going to meet with Heidi and Kamal's parents to, I guess, kind of show our appreciation for the children, but also, I don't really tell them, you know, you guys are, you guys are causing damage, you guys are hurting. Yeah, we, we really want to confront them about how awful they were as parents to their children. And, um, and so we did, and they got quite aggressive. Wow! You said this to them? Absolutely, I mean, all this ill will and and they let their damn children struggle to try to buy a place and fulfill their dream and they just keep criticizing and criticizing and micromanaging them and like Heidi's so impressive and, and Kamal, I mean, he just like knows everything about the human body and and finance and I mean and these parents are bullying them. Emma couldn't help it. She had to say something. It's it's why I love her and why she's my wife, because she She'll say what, what, what you know, really matters. And I guess I had to say something to Heidi's parents and Kamal's parents too. And I, I don't, I, I don't know whether it was Kamal's dad or Heidi's mother who I saw holding a knife. But I thought these entitled boomers, they're dangerous. They're going to hurt us. They think they own everything. They think they know everything. They they think we're lazy. And I thought at that moment, they could do anything to us. So what happened? Um, well, that's why Emma and I killed all of them in self-defense. All four of them? I, I don't know if you've ever killed one, one boomer in front of three others, but they protect their own and... If you're going to kill one, you've got to kill all of them. This raw rage just comes out of them. Like, they own life. So it was just us or them. Us or them. That sounds awful. I mean, there was blood everywhere. And Emma was in hysterics. Was she in histrionics? Oh, no. No. No, just hysterics. She's only got a bachelor degree, so... Ah. Fair enough. So I imagine the experience with the police was one thing, but it must have been just the worst seeing your friends Heidi and Kamal, knowing that you had just killed their parents. You have no idea, Cedar. I've I've never had a worse moment in my life. I can actually only imagine. I mean, I mean, except for the moment right after I told them I, I killed their parents. Uh, that's the worst moment, I guess. Because... Because they told me and Emma they just killed our parents. In self-defense. They met with your parents to tell them what a deleterious effect they were having on, on you both, uh, Emma and yourself? Yeah, well, I mean, what are the chances? And you hadn't planned this. 
planned it. I mean, how can we plan this? How, how can we know? Like, it's, it was meant to be a simple discussion. How do we know it would deteriorate into a physical confrontation? Well, you couldn't have. You just couldn't have. But in the weeks afterwards, as we met with the police and, and faced possible murder charges, we discovered there was some research which helped us in our cases and I think ultimately saved us from being charged and convicted as murderers. I mean, we found a researcher called Monica Langley who was studying boomer entitlement responses, which is a whole topic out of the University of, of New South Wales, out, out, at, um, out in the eastern suburbs. These are the uniquely maladapted behaviours of baby boomers, who have an inflated sense of self and therefore perverse viewpoints and what are acceptable behaviours to display to other members of society. That's right. Apparently, we're confronted by children-like figures, so not their actual children, more like stand-ins for the generation below them. Boomers often turn to quite nasty defence mechanisms, which are biological, you know, mechanisms of belittlement and strident and elaborate justifications of how hard they work and how you know compared to everybody else and how lazy and spoiled everyone else is and that just kind of culminates in severe emotional abuse and physical threatening violence yes i've read some of monica's work i'm particularly interested in the phenomenon of toxic condescension because she posited that that was very likely what was afflicting you when they showed signs of causing you physical harm that elicited your self-defense response isn't that right it's apparently boomers especially have a genetic remnant which enables them to be patronizing or to talk down to younger generations in, in such a biologically threatening way that it actually unlocks the cell walls in our bodies and causes cell death, similar to, similar to how like cytotoxic drugs when they used to treat cancer with, like cancer medication and how that works. Yes, apparently the extent of condescension in the lecture dictates how much folic acid in cells is destroyed. Condescending advice by boomer mother-in-laws in particular has been known to flat out cause spina bifida in newborns. Awful stuff. I mean, they wield an unworldly power. It's, it's just terrifying. And boomers are not bad people, of course. In many ways, their advocacy groups often correctly highlight how boomers are victims of their era in human evolution. Yeah, like I said, I love my parents. Killer whales love their cubs. Uh, but it didn't stop them from murdering SeaWorld trainers. True. A very good point. I, I know. I mean, say, so I know people look at me and say, wow, killing two 70-year-olds must make you an evil fucking psycho. And that cannot be easy. Maybe that's what I would have become. But that tragic murder of my parents brought me down to earth. There's nothing more humbling and heartbreaking than losing both parents at once. I mean, it turns into an orphan. Like, just, just like that. Knowing your best friend's hiding Kamal, like, knowing that they're the culprits. I mean, it's just devastating. Knowing you've caused Heidi and Kamal this much pain. Knowing that they have taken your beloved parents from you. Made you and Emma orphans. That cannot be reconcilable. I didn't think it would be. I honestly didn't think I could ever forgive them. But then I didn't think I could ever forgive myself. Did you have a forgiveness, coach? I did. He taught me and him all sorts of techniques to forgive. He, he really just understands all means of forgiveness. I mean, the only thing he, he doesn't forgive is his fee. You can't forgive everything, 
You could forget it. How did you overcome this tragedy? How? Being acquitted of murder charges and hearing that judgment, this is what I'll say. It's amazing how it's amazing how that helps you move on. However, the thing that really helped us both close the chapter was it's incredible how that reading of a will can just lift pain away. A final will and testament? Yes, my, my loving parents' final will and testament bestowing three houses in, in the possession of myself and Emma. Now, had you been convicted of murder, these bestowments would have gone to the state, so the government, and not you. Am I right in saying that? That's right. I was so pumped up to know they'd come to us. I mean, Emma Jakes, it was... It wasn't the last will in testament, it was the last will in testosterone. That's how jacked up I was to, to hear we'd, we'd got the house in Annandale, in the inner west. So you overcame this tragedy, you mourned your parents, and you got your inheritance as their rightful heirs. You could have moved on with your lives. That would be reasonable. Yet you and Emma, and Heidi and Kamal, decided to be extraordinary. You set up Sinheritance. We, we'd been given, gifted a legacy, not just my... Not just by our parents, but by Monica's research and, and the and the fair and just understanding of the courts, I think was really important to us as well. We couldn't let our experiences not contribute to greater learnings for others who, you know, may unknowingly trot a similar path. Now, the priority, if I understand it correctly, was to share your experiences as a morality tale of what young couples and their parents should avoid in terms of conflict, confrontation, and situations that would risk the triggering behaviours of boomers. A sort of um, how-not-to guide. A structured education of what risks existed and had to avoid them. Yet since Sinheritance was formed, more than 50 other couples have encountered similar conflicts such as you encountered with Heidi and Kamal's parents, ultimately culminating in the self-defence killing of their best friend's parents. Yes, that's true. Seal, Emma, Heidi, Kamal and I became unwitting players in this tragedy because evolutionary patterns of behaviour exist. Just like stock markets follow the same exhilarating highs and depressive falls and, and we wonder why it happens. We can look to the same patterns of collective human behaviour and we can warn people and arm them with knowledge to escape these patterns, but we can't stop entropy. Do you worry that a company printing information on how not to encounter these situations is uh, effectively creating information that is being used as a how-to guide? We can teach children to look left, to look right, to look left again before they cross the road and hope that arms them with the skills to safely cross roads. But yeah, we find every year more children are molested by pedophiles than ever before. Um. Right. The key for me is inheritance being a support for anyone like the four of us getting the right to be acquitted for self-defense. Monica is employed by the foundation to be an expert witness to support young couples faced with, with this tragic pattern across society and to provide legal support, not just with the defense for the killings, but for access to the rightful inheritance because that's, that's jeopardized as well. It is a noble structure. I note you've been doing a lot of work across Asia and Europe as well. Yeah, particularly the Japanese are living a little, little longer. 
I'm actually living a lot longer and those those 80s and 90s years I mean dementia can certainly contribute unhelpfully to some of the, some of the boomer threatening behavior but it's it's largely Germany France and the UK where our services are needed most and you know but we're gonna make our way there when you hear yourself described as the father of the murder swap pact how does that make you feel Kieran it doesn't feel good it doesn't even now. I know what my parents bestowed on me, though it was to believe in my own values. To believe in myself and Emma did what we did to pre- protect the future that our daughter, who's due in two months, that, I mean, that, that, that she'll have a future that she would want to be a part of. Emma and I chose the name Sinheritance because we we liked it because one crime leads to a powerful endowment which opens up opportunities to really live and we had major banks and private equity trying to buy us out and it's very flattering but that's when we that's when we knew we created a cultural revolution and i mean that's that's incredible a cultural revolution congratulations kieran there are people out there who believe you, Emma, Heidi, Kamal, anyone that is part of these self-defense killing quadrangles should be in jail. What do you say to them? We don't have that many jails. The, the research on what these incidents of the older boomer generation has done to save government's spend on healthcare alone is why the intergenerational murder exemption legislation was introduced here in Australia. I would say people deny the fact I would say people deny the vaccines prevent diseases and you know, I don't agree with them. People can deny evidence and learning. And we live in a society where they can have that right. So I, I, I guess, I guess they can have that right. But I understand that being in my family home as its owner, while it, it conveys a feeling of comfort of history, not being able to share it with my parents. It's really sunk in. And it's more prison than any jail could be. Hmm. Tell me, do you see Heidi and Kamal? Once a month for inheritance board meetings, we eat risotto and we have shavings and truffles on those these days. Not skin, for old time's sake? No, we're committed to the present and enjoying that. When we meet Heidi and Kamal, we don't complain anymore. We celebrate the lives of our parents. We raise a glass, you know, with me to, to the people we've lost because... Can we do that now? Can, can, can you raise a glass with me, Seedle? Because, I mean, the people we've lost, they've, they've just given us so much. So much. That's a beautiful place to end our discussion. Kieran, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Seedle.